off our books. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Hello and welcome to Back Chat with Anna Fenton and me, Jim Gould. And following on from COVID-19, we're going to be uh, discussing uh, the decision to end the ban on flights from uh, nine different places, including uh, Australia, UK, US, uh, Philippines. And we'll be talking about the uh, the hotel industry, implications for hotels here and, and booking of quarantine hotels and so on. Uh, we have a, a couple of guests on the line. Uh, just before I introduce them, um, a number of uh, more emails that we've received. So I'll just deal with those first. I'll just spend a minute or so uh, reading out uh, some emails from listeners and we have quite a few more which uh, which I'll read that later on in the program um, so this one uh, from Bob says uh, so big excitement about relaxation of flight bans but nothing about the so-called fuse mechanism which in the past two days have banned uh, three airline uh, city pairs for two weeks uh, this causes all sorts of difficulty for travelers planning flights um, uh, some of these emails by the way uh, uh, came in uh, yesterday, so um, I obviously didn't get a chance to read them out yesterday. I have to leave them over uh, for the next day. Um, uh, this one from uh, Dennis says, uh, Dear Backchat, I think it's worth repeating the fact that tourists are banned from entering Hong Kong. Only permanent residents are allowed in. People keep saying this but not realising what it means, i.e. no tourists. And uh, what about quarantine for arriving flight crews? Will they still be locked up in a hotel every time they fly in? Will airlines be able to support such a move? Has anyone thought this through? Uh, Tim says, uh, Dear Backchat, uh, all news reports and the government's own press release say that uh, after April the 1st, only Hong Kong residents fully vaccinated can board a flight for Hong Kong. Could you ask your guests to clarify whether the flight ban is still in place for non-residents and new domestic helpers? Uh, well, Tim, I think... Um, it still doesn't apply to non-residents, but uh, I believe uh, domestic helpers uh, from the Philippines, for instance, who have uh, uh, visas and tickets uh, will be allowed in. Uh, we'll, we'll check that with our guests in a moment. Um, well, there's still the Come to Hong Kong scheme, which allows 3,000 people to come mm. in from mainland. That's mm. never been changed. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Anna. Yeah, and Anita says that uh, the announcement states arrivals will be issued with a 14-day quarantine order with the hotel stay cut to seven days with a negative PCR test on day five and negative RAT tests on day six and seven. Does this mean we need to make a 14-day hotel booking or a seven-day booking? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, we have with us uh, on the line uh, Sonesh Mool, Director of Operations for Hong Kong at Avolo Hotels, and also on the line uh, Thomas Chan, Chairman of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. Uh, good morning to you both. Uh, perhaps, uh, good, morning. Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, perhaps uh, Sonesh Mool, uh, that uh, email from Anita about, uh, about the booking time, um, can you answer that query? Sure. Morning, Jim. Morning. Um, actually, it's actually seven days. You need a seven-day booking to, to get into Hong Kong right now. If, for any reason, on day five and day six you test positive, um, the government has made um, arrangements to put in isolation hotels here in Hong Kong. Um, so it is a seven-day booking that you will need. So we've been actually swamped with 1,200 emails on Monday, just shortening stays and people trying to come in after April 1st. Wow. So what's your yeah. policy on that? Are you giving refunds? 
Yep, we've been we've been very clear that we we always follow the government's guideline. If it's a government change or a restriction uh, move, we will refund or we will amend, and we'll do our best to accommodate as many as, uh, uh, passengers as possible coming back. So we had the announcement on Monday about the flights being resumed from those nine different locations. Um, so. Uh, uh, what, what sort of level of interest uh, have you noticed uh, since then? Yeah, as I mentioned, we had 1,200 emails on Monday itself. We actually had emails coming in when the CE was speaking. In the midst of her mm -hmm. speaking, the emails just started flooding in. Everyone trying to either book for April 1st onwards for seven days or a lot of bookings coming in for the March bookings, trying to postpone into April to just, you know, quarantine for seven days. So it's been a huge, huge task for our team. But we're just glad this news has finally come. It's been awaiting for a long time for us. And if you take it forward a little bit, are you seeing a bulge already around the summer, around the end of the school term or, you know, June, July-ish? What are you seeing emerging as a trend there? Oh, definitely. April and May, we're fully booked as of now. And now the June, end of June, early July is the peak uh, time that we're getting inquiries. Um, I think July 7th to the end of July is the peak time where all the teachers and faculty and students are trying to travel and come back within seven days. Right. Uh, I was just reading in the South China Morning Post that uh, says uh, uh, they they checked with 43 hotels and only four of them still had rooms available in April. Um, yeah. you, you, that will be uh, your experience, yeah? That's exactly right. I mean, it, 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 we, did, we didn't get any heads up like the public as soon as the announcement was made. We, did, we were prepared, we were ready, but the phones and the emails just came coming in and April sold out within the first day. May were more or less closed and June, July we're taking in all the summer inquiries right now. Yeah, uh, and like you say, a lot of people will be wanting to travel in July for various oh, reasons. Uh, so I suppose the advice uh, to listeners or anybody wanting to travel is get your booking in now. Exactly. Yeah, just like the airlines, we know it's hard. You know, you got to have an airline ticket to book. You need a booking to come with the airlines. It's a tough chance. We try our best to accommodate and even a day or two wiggle room just to make sure we can get as many passengers back to Hong Kong as possible. How are you managing? I mean, the airlines are clearly struggling with staffing levels. How are you managing? Because I understand a lot of people left this hospitality industry at the beginning of the pandemic. And the trouble is trying to hire them back in again now. Yeah, we, we were lucky, Anna. We, we secured most of our staff in the beginning. We're talking about 2020 when, when the pandemic first hit. We actually were quarantine hotels, not by the government uh, regulations, just as a quarantine hotel by choice. So we actually took care of our staff in the beginning. And luckily, luckily we've been very loyal to our staff and our staff's been loyal back to us. So we have, we have seen a few come and go, but we've been very lucky to manage our hotels by our own properties. We don't have too many outsourced staff or anything. So we've been lucky compared to the airlines. Okay, thanks. So, also with us, we have uh, Thomas Chan, who's uh, chairman of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. So, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining morning, us, everyone. So, so that um, so the query from our listener Tim, could you help with that? Perhaps uh, uh, he says, could your guest clarify whether the flight ban is still in place for non-residents and new domestic helpers? Uh, what's the situation with domestic helpers now? Then, uh, I think uh, the lifting of the travel ban. Uh, also benefits the domestic helpers. Uh, <coughs> we expect the, there are about 8,000 domestic helper workers uh, still strengthened in the Philippines. Just for the last three months, uh, every month there are about 2,000 and the accumulated workers from last year together. Uh, total, there are about 8,000 people waiting to come to Hong Kong. Uh, this lifting surely can help the industry and also the employers and workers as well. 
but the point is here. Uh, we are facing two major issues. The first one is how to book a hotel room. Uh, as what I experienced yesterday, I tried to book some rooms for workers, but uh, it's very difficult to get a room, uh, especially in April or May. Uh, finally, I have to get some rooms in late May at uh, quite expensive cost. Uh, it's about 1,300 something per, per night. So uh, even employer, they are thinking, uh, wow, it's too much. Even I go for vacation in Hong Kong, I only choose those 800 to 1,000 for five star hotels. How come the worker, they stay 1,300 something per night? Now, there's a distinction here, isn't there, between helpers who were vaccinated in Hong Kong and helpers who were vaccinated in the Philippines. Is the bulk of this uh, a problem because the Philippine vaccinated helpers are limited to only two hotels, was my understanding, whereas the others have a choice of, if Hong Kong vaccinated coming in, you can choose any hotel? No, uh, currently for domestic helpers, uh, no matter from Indonesia or from Philippines, they can choose the same uh, list of hotels like uh, Hong Kong residents and no more restrictions to that. Right. So that has changed then? Yes, uh, that, this one changed for over one, one month already. Uh, in February, the government changed the policy. Uh, domestic helpers no need to be confined in those uh, three to five uh, specially designated hotels. They can choose any one like Hong Kong residents. Because I, yeah, I, I see the Silker is now on the list of isolation hotels, whereas it was reserved for helpers, wasn't it? phone off if either of you have a phone near the microphone or just or just move it away a bit yeah. hello a bit of interference, is it better? Huh? Yes. Better yes, right that, now. that's yes, yes. better sorry it just cuts across okay yeah. okay uh, another one uh, i i want to mention is about the uh, the airline suspension scheme uh, this one disturbed the the normal flow of the passengers quite seriously uh under the current policy, for every hello, yes, for yes, every yes, single yes. flight, if they carry passengers more than three passengers uh, infected positively uh, with COVID-19, the airline will be suspended for two weeks. Uh, from our understanding, I think uh, this policy is no more suitable. It should be cancelled for the two reasons. The first is what we understand. Uh, most of the, uh, the countries, I mean, uh, especially in Indonesia and Philippines, their definition of uh, negative or positive is a little bit different from Hong Kong. Uh, in Hong Kong, uh, the passenger will be defined as uh, negative if their safety value is 40 or something. However, in the Philippines or in Indonesia, it's only about 30, CT value 30. So this discrepancy uh, comes out with 
uh, different results. For some passengers uh, in in their country of origin is uh, defined as negative because of the CT value thirty something. But once in Hong Kong becomes negative, uh, becomes uh, positive. That's why I think that the government they have responsibility to explain to the those deploying countries to unite it the common standard. Otherwise, uh, you use the different uh, criteria, uh, and then there are different results on passengers testing results. Just to explain what this means to listeners, this is the uh, the speed at which the PCR test detector spins. Now, yes. Hong Kong spins so you, it at you, 45, you, other countries at 30. The 45 picks up fragments of dead virus and other bits and pieces, which is much more sensitive. That's what you're talking about, yes, right? Yes, right. So if the government used this one to blame the airlines, uh, in some uh, not, not really make it sense or is illogical because of the different... Uh, discrepancy of the testing criteria, and then you function the airline. That, that's not reasonable. Second, if I also advise to the government, if Hong Kong government really realized that some testing centers in Indonesia or in Philippines, they are not doing good job, they should just inform the airline for every Every certificate from these centers will not be recognized, and the passengers from these centers will not be allowed going to the plane. Then the problem is solved already. And then number three, the most important, a current situation uh, in Hong Kong, there are so many infected persons. So for those passengers from those two countries, it's only a very few. Uh, every time it's only less than 10 or even less than 20. And then most important for these passengers, it doesn't mean once they go out from the plane, they can go everywhere. They still have to be tested in the airport. They still have to be confined in quarantine hotels. So the risk of spreading to communities is very, very slim. That's why we, we also, I, I would like to, to put uh, uh, the chief executive, Kerry Lam's uh, words, the suspension scheme is no more suitable for the situation of Hong Kong. Okay. Okay. I have an email here from uh, Richard uh, emphasizing uh, really what you were saying there, uh, Thomas Chan. Uh, Richard says, uh, uh, lifting the flight ban is great. However, the reality of the situation obviously has not been thought out yet again. Uh, airlines that have four or more passengers on a flight that test positive for COVID, uh, the airline, including our Hong Kong flag carrier, will be punished and that airline on that route will be unable to operate for two weeks. How can airlines even contemplate scheduling flights when they have uh, to play Russian roulette with these policies? The airlines are ready to get back to business but must be given the opportunity to do so in a logical manner that makes business sense. Uh, there is a world outside the comforts of a life in the civil service. That from uh, Richard. Uh, 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 Sonish Mool, uh, um, have you sort of noticed uh, any disruption to your operations with uh, airlines or airline routes uh, suddenly being banned, you know, if four or more passengers have uh, arrived uh, and are found to test positive? Oh, definitely. We've, we've had a couple of weeks, in the last couple of weeks, flight bans uh, being done for a week with Emirates or, you know, even Cafe or Singapore Airlines, and that's taken about 10 or 12 reservations per day off our books. 
and that's just rooms, you know, unsold. But the problem is to rebook that passenger. We try our best, but it's, it's really hard to accommodate a guest for that certain, you know, price category, room category at a later date. Uh, it just causes a lot of confusion, just like Thomas said. It, it's, it's really a mess with the airlines. We've seen a lot of changes in, in the policies uh, uh, in the past recent weeks and months. Um, uh, th there is, some people are arguing in favour of home quarantine as opposed to uh, uh, quarantining in, in hotels for incoming passengers, for returnees, if they have the right sort of uh, setup at home. Um, uh, to what extent has the uh, quarantine hotel requirement for incoming passengers uh, essentially helped your business to keep going in these difficult times? Uh, the, the quarantine business has definitely helped uh, Ovalo Hotels. Uh, we have two of our, our hotels part of the quarantine designated list. Um, but we were we were also doing well as vacations prior to that. Um, I think a lot of guests feel comfortable isolating at home, but then they do have young kids or they have elderly parents that they do want to send them to the hotels or vice versa. So I think the public does want to quarantine. They just want to do it for seven days and maybe have an option of doing seven days at home. So I think this has been in the making for a while, and I think this has been appreciated by a lot of the returning Hong Kong um, residents, saying seven days is tolerable. We're okay with that. It should have been done maybe a little earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, Anne mentioned earlier that the, the Tourism Board is expecting, I think, more than 9 million visitors, uh, so it says, uh, in, second in, half. in the second half of this year. Um, are you expecting an upturn in tourism? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's been said in the last couple of days that the tourism, a lot of the business travelers need to come to Hong Kong. We're still a financial hub. It is still Hong Kong. We will get a lot of the tourism back in the second half. And honestly, Ovlo will do everything in its power to, you know, make sure we bring back the tourism. But, but on hang on a minute, you're saying all that. This is um, this is wishful thinking, isn't it? There's there's no roadmap for this. There's no date in mind for opening up to non-residents, as I say, apart from the three thousand from China every day. So where do you get this, uh, you know, crystal ball uh, idea that suddenly by magic? You know what, Anna, this, this decision that was uh, made on Monday was such a quick decision with so many things positive for Hong Kong. I think they're on the right track now, and they realize that if they miss this summer and we don't start opening the borders and st don't stop you know, you know, allowing uh, non-residents of Hong Kong coming in, we will lose the whole 2022, and it is going to damage Hong Kong's uh, reputation. I think the financial district, the financial hubs are all trying their best with the government, and I think the government is listening. And I think by, honestly, the third quarter of uh, this year, we will see a drastic change of the number of tourism and the number of uh, business travelers coming back into Hong Kong. And, yeah, we do have to keep positive, and I think it's the only way that the government will listen, and I think the other countries are waiting to come back. Okay, uh, just going back to the domestic helper issue then, uh, Thomas Chan, so, uh, so the, the current situation, um, what's it like for, for families who are, who are waiting for their helper to arrive uh, from overseas, from the Philippines or, or Indonesia? Um, uh, what, what kind of delays are they facing? Yes, uh, it's, it's still quite serious. Uh, for some employers, they wait, uh, currently for some employers, they wait from last year until now because for the last three months, there's no deployment from Philippines. And even for Indonesia, the flights uh, keep going. However, uh, because of the suspension scheme, uh, <laughs> some airlines are quite uh, ridiculous. They just arrange the flights every two weeks. Once landed, then suspended. After two weeks, flight again and suspended <laughs> again. So uh, the, the flow of the arrival for those passengers, uh, for those domestic helpers, is not smooth. 
so the people they are still waiting a long time uh, for for their workers because of the shortage of the hotels, because of the flight arrangement, too many things they are uh, uncertain. Uh, that's why the employers they still have to face the, uh, for example, the uh, higher demand or request from the workers, uh, higher salary to the work workers. The, the, the problem's not yet solved. Hello. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Yeah. So, so, um, Suresh, can I just take you back to the the point of pricing and increases? Obviously, the airfares are going through the roof. Are we going to see the same for the hotel rates as well? Um, we've actually designated quarantine hotels have to submit all our rates in prior to starting the cycle, and we can't change those rates. So, these rates that we are in right now, from March first to end of July for the seventh cycle has been sent to the government three months before, um, actually during the, a lot of the restrictions and downtime. So no, we're not increasing rates whatsoever. Actually, we're doing our best to even accommodate, you know, a couple extra passengers here and there and seeing what we can do to, you know, get rooms for passengers. But no, I don't think many, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of many of the hotels, the rates are submitted with the government and the designated quarantine scheme has specifically said no rates can be increased at any time during the cycle. We don't want to risk anything as well for that. How bad do you think we'll see the secondary market, the black market, this time around? Uh, it'll be there. It'll always be there. But now it's even more of a crunch time that, you know, there's a lot of returning guests that want to come back for seven days. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I, I, yeah, it's hard to say. I think we just need more designated quarantine hotels. And I think the government is working on that as we speak. Now that some of them have become community isolation hotels, they're looking at about seven or eight other hotels to add on hopefully before the summer. So what incentives do they use to uh, twist your arm over that? Uh, not too much, but, um, yeah, you know, we try and stay away from that, the whole thing. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of guests that are willing to actually pay more, and they tell us, we'll pay you more, just get us a room. We, You know, our reservation agents are trained. This is the rate. This is what we can offer, and, you know, nothing more, nothing less. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for joining us uh, on the programme this morning, uh, both of you there. That was uh, Sonish Mool, uh, Director of Operations for Hong Kong at uh, Avolo Hotels. And thanks very much to Thomas Chan, Chairman of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. Um, now, I've got uh, several, uh, well, more than several, quite a few emails from listeners that I'd like to read out, uh, if time allows, before the end of the programme. Uh, so this one starting with uh, Saki says under the catch line uh, Japan drops COVID restrictions on bars and restaurants nationwide uh, bringing that to our attention and uh, with a link to uh, asia.nikkei.com um, John writes on our Facebook page a couple of messages for John says uh, uh, healthcare experts can blame themselves. They keep moving the goalposts. We were told that 70% vaccination was required for herd immunity. Then it was increased and increased. Now it's 90%. And still, uh, Dr. Yoon wants it raised to 95%. I think that's a reference to uh, Dr. Yoon Kwok Young, who's one of the uh, prominent uh, commentators on the COVID situation. Um, uh, another comment from John says that sixth wave is coming. How is Hong Kong prepared? CHPO us detailed plans. That's the Centre for Health Protection. Uh, George writes, uh, let me get this straight. I've done my uh, civic duty and got triple jabbed, but my personal freedom and liberties are being taken away from me because of a small group of holdouts. Under what legal basis is this fair or acceptable? Those holdouts need to be vaccinated, period. And this flip-flopping 
needs to stop. Um, David says, I want to know why South America is using Invermectin kits. Uh, Japan is using Invermectin and they are having a 61 to 69% success rate. Uh, why not just give these kits to the old people? Very easy. Uh, two weeks and we can start to eliminate the spread in old people. Uh, I think it's a bit more complicated than that. Could, uh, it, it could be. Um, and another me a message now from Saki on our Facebook says... Uh, the utmost disappointing news was that uh, we fully vaccinated travellers are, are being uh, negative tested 48 hours pre-flight and again upon arrival and are still being treated like cattle forced into expensive hotel quarantine, struggling for flights that match hotel room availability and costing us a small fortune, practically making business trips impossible. The rest of the world has done away with this and open up while we are stuck in an endless loop of frustration. No wonder so many choose to leave and relocate to places that learned how to live with this without holding their residents prisoners. Um, Eric says, uh, the simple fact that our chief executive's announcement today, um, I think um, might be referring to Monday, our chief executive's announcement today regarding COVID rules and regulations relaxation next month to those more onerous uh, than anywhere else on earth outside China, i.e. seven days hotel quarantine, only permanent residents returning, etc., etc., were universally greeted with such joy, proves beyond reasonable doubt how truly gaslighted the Hong Kong community has been. It's kind of like Mrs. an abuse. Lam. It's kind of like an abusive relationship, isn't it? You know, we've become used to accepting things that previously we would never have accepted, and now we're happy just because we only have to do seven days. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, what, one or two more. Um, we've still got time for a few more, uh, Anna. Uh, so uh, Alonso writes, uh, in removing the flight bans and reducing the hotel quarantine for arrivals, uh, Carrie Lam finally showed signs that she's listening to the medical experts and the people of Hong Kong. However, as Cathay Pacific indicated yesterday in warning that it will only operate one flight per route every two weeks, the government's relaxed measures will have little effect unless it concurrently amends its flight suspension mechanism for example, if an airline can provide documentary evidence that every passenger satisfied pre-flight COVID testing requirements, then the airline should not be penalised if some passengers are COVID positive on arrival. But if the airline's pre-flight checks are indeed at fault, then a fine rather than a flight ban should be the first uh, penalty. And if the airline is a repeat offender, then and only then should a flight ban be imposed. Um, Bob says, uh, following on from an email you read out yesterday about the government not saying anything about removing the fuse mechanism for banning flights for two weeks if too many cases are found, CX has clearly taken this to heart, announcing uh, that to minimise disruptions to passengers, they will only operate one flight every 14 days to each of the nine destinations that are now reopened. Seems it's showdown time, that from Bob. And Douglas... Uh, dear Backchat, although the ban on flights from nine countries has been lifted, I read that airlines are reluctant to resume flights to Hong Kong because of the high risk of their being punished. Suspension, quarantining of flight crews and fines if they bring passengers who are subsequently found to be COVID positive. For example,
example, I understand Cathay will only operate one inbound flight per two weeks from the UK, while BA isn't flying at all before July. It would be informative if uh, Backchat sought clarification on this issue. Well, it is an issue that we're going to certainly be uh, keeping our eyes on, and I expect we'll get lots more uh, correspondence from our listeners on that. Um, thank you to everybody who wrote in. If I didn't get time to read yours, sorry. Um, thanks to our listeners, and thanks to you, Anna. You're very welcome. And a quick look at the weather uh, before we go to the new summary in Morning Brew. Um, cloudy to overcast with uh, showers. Uh, temperatures will linger around 17 degrees during the day, moderate to fresh northeasterly winds. The outlook at windy with occasional showers in the next couple of days. Uh, humid with fog on Saturday. The weather will be unsettled early next week. Currently, it's 17 degrees, humidity 95%, and the thunderstorm warning is in effect and will remain so until 10 o'clock. For a safe and healthy living environment, owners should not alter the drainage systems of buildings on their own. They must ensure proper maintenance of drainage pipes and should appoint qualified professionals or contractors for regular inspection and arrange early repair if seepage or defects are found. They may apply for loans or subsidies from the Buildings Department and the Urban Renewal Authority. Visit bd.gov.hk for details. The new summary with Andrew Shirovsky. The head of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, has delivered an impassioned plea for the war in Ukraine to end. He said following Russia's attack, Ukrainians were enduring a living hell, with civilians terrorized by systematic bombardment and 10 million people forced from their homes. Buildings shook in Taipei earlier this morning after two earthquakes hit Taiwan in quick succession. The China Earthquake Network Center says a 6.6 magnitude quake jolted waters off Taidong County at 1.41 a.m. Two minutes later, it was followed by a 5.7 magnitude quake in Hualien County. There are no immediate reports of damage. And the Center for Health Protection says 190 people with COVID died over the past 24-hour reporting period at public hospitals. There were also an additional 55 deaths that hadn't previously been reported. Yesterday, Hong Kong recorded 14,152 new COVID cases, 10 of which were imported. I'll have more on these and other stories at the main bulletin at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer Interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring doggy counts co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you, and welcome to Wednesday, here on The Morning Brew. Well, as you know, it's Classical Music Day. But as I mentioned last week, our mate Colin Touchin can't be with us for a while, but he'll be back. So we're going to invite a few guest presenters to keep the show going on until Colin's return. Today, we're going to hear what some of the great composers have done with the trumpet in their orchestral works. So, world-renowned English trumpeter Paul Archibald is going to be joining us live from Bangkok. Paul's had an amazing career. He's been a principal player with such fantastic groups as the Royal Opera House Orchestra, the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, the London Mozart Players, 
And the list goes on. You do get the picture. Knows what he's talking about. So do join Paul at 10.40 with some cracking music. At 11.40, you can meet our new Tokyo correspondent. Yeah, well, RTL France's new Tokyo correspondent, because since we last spoke a week ago, Philippe Devar has travelled from Paris to this side of the world to take up his brand new gig. That'll be fun, especially for him. No 4am in the morning stuff. Business for usual, as us, though. Uh, and at 12.10, it's back to Bangkok to catch up with Chris Watts, who's working there for a couple of weeks. I wonder if he knows Paul. Fate's allowing. You can join Chris on Facebook Live for this week's class. This